Tune your ear to wisdom. Cry aloud for understanding. If you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Project Philippians, a deep dive into one of the richest treasure mines in Scripture. I'm delighted to have you join me today for another excavation into an amazing 2,000-year-old book. Hey, my friends, welcome back. It is so great to have you back with me. I just want you to know how thankful I am for you, and I, I, I mean that genuinely. I, I don't know all of you by name yet. I hope to someday, but I, I am thankful for people who love to study the Word like I do, and I'm grateful that God has given me this opportunity just to, to share a little bit from His Word. And if you don't mind, I'd like to ask His blessing on our time together. Heavenly Father, you are so good. You're so generous with your blessings, and we're grateful for that. And I'm specifically thankful for the one who is listening to me right now, and thankful that they are hungry to know you, and hungry to hear from your word. And I pray that this would be that time for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, my friend, we are in Philippians chapter 1, and we have gotten past the introductory greetings, and now today we get to explore the very first verse in the what I would call the body of the letter, and it's verse 3, and it's really an amazing line. Let me read it to you. I thank my God every time I remember you. <laughs> I love this. Just think, what, what a, isn't that just such a gracious greeting? How would you like it if a friend came up to you and said, man, I just thank God every time I think about you. <laughs> That's just, it just sounds so gracious and friendly. You know, there was a time when I used to, I used to kind of think that Paul was something of a, you know, kind of a grumpy guy. I don't know why I had that impression, but I, I felt like he was a little grouchy. You know, he used to be a, a terrorist persecuting the church, and he got over that, of course, but I just felt like, you know, there's something kind of grouchy in his letters. But that just shows how, how little I knew of him, because this is actually his personality. In fact, this is how he opened all of his letters, all of them except for Galatians, which he had some issues with. He He just... He is just genuinely thankful for people, and he. Th this isn't like a, a formulaic greeting. It's, it's different in every letter, but it is just a genuine gratitude to God every time he thinks about them, and I just think that that's wonderful. And what I'd like to do as we look at this verse is there's, there's two really key words, two towering words that bookend both ends of the verse, and I want to just take a moment to look at each one. The first one is actually the very first word in this section. It, in Greek, it's eucharisto, eucharisto, which means I thank or thank you. And you know, it's, it's just really a remarkable word. Sometimes I like to, to read in my, my Greek Bible, and the, it's that very first word, it just jumps off the page at you, eucharisto. It's like a, an explosive word. It, the word eucharisto uh, is the word where we get Eucharist from. Perhaps you are at a church that celebrates the Eucharist, uh, which is a, another word for the Lord's Supper. Some people call it communion. 
the the word Eucharist comes from the fact that every time that the the Lord's Supper is described in the Bible, it's always mentions that Jesus started by giving thanks. He gave thanks for the bread and he broke it, and then he gave thanks for the cup and he he passed it around. He was thankful in that moment, and so that has come to become known as the Eucharist. But the word Eucharist is a really special word for a couple of reasons. Uh, first of all, it's a, it's an emotional word. You know, if you have young children like I do, uh, one of the things that I'm trying to teach them is we don't just say thank you just to, you know, get spit the words out like, oh, thank you for my present. You know, I try to communicate to them that you got to show that you're really grateful. And, and, and that is in this word Eucharisto. Uh, it's found in Luke 17 when there's 10 men who had leprosy and Jesus healed all 10 of them. Uh, but one of them had Eucharisto in his heart. And we read Luke 17, 15. He said, one of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice and throwing himself at Jesus' feet. He thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Oh, I love, what a picture of somebody who's not just forcing out a thank you, but it's just genuinely overwhelmed with a feeling of gratitude. And that's what Paul has in his heart when he thinks of these people. He is just totally grateful that God has placed them in his life. And, you know, it's interesting. It's not only an emotional word, but it's also a familiar word because, you know, the 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 word is that is immediately previous to Eucharisto in the text in Philippians is the word Christos. We looked at that one last week. And that word was a very Jewish word, a word that the Greeks and Romans probably wouldn't really have understand had he not explained it to them. Uh, but then he uses Eucharisto, which was a very Greek word. It was used all throughout the Greek literature. They were very familiar with it. It's as if he wanted to choose a word that they couldn't miss his meaning. He really wanted to communicate clearly to them how thankful he was for them. Isn't that just so cool? What a great way to start a letter. He just starts the letter with, I thank God for you. Another interesting thing about this word, Eucharisto, is that it is a variant of the word chara. Eucharisto is chara, and chara is a word that's going to be sprinkled throughout the book of Philippians. It's the word for joy. It's a word that permeates his entire letter. This is a book of joy. And the fact that Eucharisto comes from the same term, it kind of it informs the meaning. It helps us to understand the meaning of, of joy, it, that it's just an explosive overwhelming thankfulness. And that is how Paul chooses to start his letter. Now, you got to remember where Paul was when he's writing this letter. He's in jail, and yet he's got this joy in his heart, this thankfulness in his heart. The question is why? Why is he so thankful in this verse? Well, that brings us to the second pillar word in this verse, the word that comes almost at the very end. It's the word menea, that's the Greek, and it means remembrance. In every remembrance of you. I thank God whenever I remember you. Now, there's a couple things going on underneath this word, too. A couple things that it, it tells us about the character of Paul. First of all, it tells us that every time he thinks of these Philippians, he is thankful. He's joyful. They just bring gladness to his heart when he thinks about them. You know, I really believe that that is a key to learning how to being a loving person. 
being a gracious person. It's by intentionally allowing God to put thankfulness in our hearts when we think of people. You know, I think it's very natural and perhaps all too common that when when somebody comes to mind that we tend to think of the negative things about them, the things that tick us off about that person or the things that upset us or, you know, the frustrations, whatever. But for Paul, that's not how it was. Whenever he thought of somebody, he thought of what was good about them, the, the joyful memories, that the ways that God was working in their hearts. The, uh, we're gonna, he's, he's actually going to spend the next six verses explaining all the reasons that he's thankful. This is, this is not just fake gratitude, but, but the, the reality is, is that he is filled with positive thoughts for people. And and I just encourage you that if you are one of those, you know, people that you, you're just not a people person, you're more like a cat person, <laughs> or you just you tolerate people, the key is to allow your mind to think of the positive things and to thank God. Every time you bring somebody to mind, whether it's somebody you like or somebody that you don't really particularly enjoy, thank God for them and and praise him for them and find reasons to thank him for them because there's always reasons. But there's there's another aspect of this remembrance that I think is key to, to Paul's character too, and that is that it says, every time I remember you. I told you that the Greek word for remembrance is mnea. And I did a word study on that and I looked up all the different places where that word is used. And Paul uses it in a lot of his letters. And interestingly, every single time, it's in the context of prayer or of thinking fondly about someone. It's always about praying for someone or thinking positively about them, remembering them in prayer. It was an act of intercessory prayer for people, a joyful intercession. In other words, what I'm trying to say is, I believe this is reflective of the fact that Paul had a disciplined prayer life where he regularly, consistently brought his friends and loved ones to the Lord in prayer. It was a a habit, a practice, and he did it joyfully. He brought them to prayer. He he intentionally set aside time to pray for other people every time he prayed. I think that that's just beautiful. Now, those are the two key words in this verse. But there's one other word that I, before we end today, I, I want to point out because, to be honest, it didn't seem like a key word to me at first. In fact, I, I, didn't, I didn't notice it at all. Somebody else had to kind of point it out to me uh, because it's such a, a seemingly inconsequential word in this verse. And it's a very tiny word. Do you happen to know which word I'm talking about? It's the pronoun my. He said, I thank my God every time I remember you. Now, think about that for a minute. That's kind of interesting. He, he could have said, I thank God. In fact, that sounds more natural to our way of speaking. I thank God when I think of you. I praise God for you. But he said, I thank my God. My God. So beautiful. You know, I think it's just so tragic that the words my God in today's vernacular have, have become nothing more than a vulgar punctuation point. But to Paul, he was rejoicing in his personal relationship with the God of the universe. He's my God. Just in the last verse, we saw the the words, our Father, and we pointed out how significant that was. And we talked about how Jesus 
invited us into that relationship in in his very first major sermon and his teaching us how to pray, inviting us to say our Father. And and the fact that our is a plural, it reminds us that when we pray, it's often intended to be a community thing, that we are praying together. He's our Father, together. It's a it's a word of fellowship in in the family of God. But Paul takes it one level deeper into a personal relationship. It's not just at church that we pray, but it's every day that we have this relationship with my God. You know, there was a time in my life when I I kind of wrestled a little bit, and this might sound strange, but I kind of wondered, you know, if I really focus on my personal relationship to God, am I being selfish? Like, if I just spend a lot of time just cultivating intimacy all alone with the Lord Jesus, is that, is that being selfish? And what I learned from this verse is that Paul shows me an amazing thing. He is modeling for me true godly prayer because for him he does celebrate his own personal, intimate relationship with the Lord God Almighty. But what's he doing as he's praying to his God? He is interceding for others. He's praising God for his friends. He's thinking about other people. So it's, it's richly selfish and richly selfless all at the same time. He is loving his God and he is praising his God for the people who God has put in his life. You know, I mentioned a moment ago that you, the Eucharist was another word for the Lord's Supper. The thanksgiving that Jesus gave the last night of his life. But there's something else about that story that's significant. Remember, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, isn't just about thanksgiving. What else is the key element in the Lord's Supper? It says he gave thanks for the cup and the bread, and then he broke it, and he shared it amongst his friends, and he said, do this in remembrance of me. Remembrance. Thanksgiving and remembrance. Two pillars of our spiritual life that Paul has built the foundation of his life on these two pillars. Thanksgiving and remembering. And so when we come to the Lord's Supper, we're thanking God for his blessing of salvation and we're remembering the sacrifice he gave us. And then when we come to prayer and intercession, we're thanking God for the blessings of the community around us and we're remembering their needs, their concerns in our prayers before him. And we are interceding to God, rejoicing in our intimate relationship with God Almighty, but thanking him for the people in our lives. So my friend, I just want to encourage you to make these two words pillars in your own life and your own spiritual walk with God. Lord God Almighty, thank you. Thank you so much. We have so much to be thankful for, Father. Most of us aren't sitting in a dungeon in a prison locked in shackles writing this letter. Most of us are surrounded with blessings. But whether we're going through hardship or blessing right now, I ask for my friends like I ask for myself. Make us thankful, Lord. Help us to be men and women of gratitude, genuine, unforced, 
overwhelming gratitude for your blessings. But Lord, I also pray for these, my friends, that you would make them people of remembrance, remembering those around them, remembering the needs and the suffering, remembering those who suffer and are in prison as if they were there in prison with them. Lord, help us to be people who rejoice before you and rejoice in the blessing of our friends. Help us to be people of love to live lives of love like Paul did and like Jesus did. Lord Jesus, we remember what you did that last night, that you gave thanks for the sacrifice and you rejoiced with us and you told us to never forget. And so help us, Lord God, help us to live that way. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray these things. Amen. spend this time with me, but don't let it end here. May the words of God continue to resonate in your heart, transform your life until the day you meet our glorious King and Savior face to face.